first ever podium for Skoda. No, I'm, I'm very delighted. I mean, I said it uh, earlier on. It's it's quite easy to say afterwards. Well, that's what we uh, what we thought we can do. But to come here and say that's what we want to do, and then finish third. I mean, then it was really it was really good. It is like to I can't I can't speak. It is like uh, the boy boy give us something when we are uh, given some very nice present or something. It was what I was dreaming for 30 years. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome back to Rally DNA for part two of our chat with Mr. Armin Schwartz. With Group A and his time at TTE coming to a close, we pick up with Armin with his move to Ford, where he was instrumental in developing the Escort WRC alongside engineer Philip Dunabin before moving to Skoda at the end of the 90s. And trust me, you're going to want to stay tuned for that particular bit. Please enjoy. And at this time, I mean, you've developed quite a reputation uh, for, you know, I've been a very very competent test driver as well, which which definitely seemed to lead into your time with Ford and uh, the Escort WRC. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's true. I mean, uh, all the test, all the teams where I have been, I did a lot of testing. I did a lot of setup work, and uh, I think everybody could see that I, I had a talent to that and uh, was doing good. And when Ford actually changed from Borham to M Sport. Um, I actually, when I had my first talks with Ford, um, I was not aware that they're going to change to M Sport, that Malcolm will take it over. And uh, I still came to Borham and we uh, test on that airfield, the first uh, Cosmos, but it was still a Group A Cosmos. And, uh, and you know, it was a, a, a quite a strange atmosphere because all the other teams have been like a team and you you felt there is a team effort in Borham you know there was there was almost like no effort and I couldn't work it out but you know just before Christmas I I got uh, to hear from uh, Martin Whittaker at the time he said hey look uh, your uh, entry of, for Monte Carlo will be done by Malcolm Wilson by M-Sport because we're shifting everything to M-Sport and then I, I had a meeting with, uh, with Carlos and Malcolm, uh, like early January uh, and in, in Cockermouth. And uh, yeah, and he presented us, you know, how the new lineup was and uh, that he will uh, yeah, enter the, the cars uh, for the World Championship. And at that time, uh, I mean, I have recently, I have been to M Sport uh, and I must say, I, I said to Malcolm, hey, where is this twin garage, you know, where you prepare the car for us for Monte Carlo? Because there was just a twin garage and, you know, a handful of guys, very enthusiastic, uh, building two rally cars. And uh, Carlos looked at me and I look at him and we said, wow, you know, how they want to get this program done, you know, with this small team uh, and, and this small facility. Uh, but if you see where M-Sport has, has been growing and, and uh, the development, I think, you know, uh, all respect to Malcolm and uh, to the team, what they built up there and, and all the efforts they made. And Sorry, go on. Philip Donovan was the chief engineer when you came to Ford. He spoke very highly of, of your skills as a test driver, but he moved on shortly after the switch to M Sport. Did that lead to any complications or issues with further development of that car throughout the season? Um, I think that what we didn't know at that time, I think there was something in the air before uh, because Philip came from, uh, from Borham uh, and uh, 
I had a very, very good relationship and still have with him when I see him from time to time because we we had a really good time in testing and I, I also I rate him that high as an engineer and uh, uh, we, we set up the car with uh, like, I mean, he had a, a very, very, very limited uh, amount of spare parts of, of possibilities on testing and he made the best out of it and there was no complaint. You know, it was just going and, and looking where, where we could, what, what we could do, what we could improve, uh, what we didn't have, we couldn't. So um, that was was very simple. Um, but afterwards, there was uh, Mark Amblad was coming. Uh, he was there as, uh, I think, as a data engineer or something before. Um, and there was a kind of yeah, mismatching, let's say, between both of them. And I think uh, Philip was just not ready to say, hey, look, I, I, I get into this adventure here. Uh, uh, and he went away and he, I think he went to Pusho or um, Mitsubishi. Pusho first and then Mitsubishi, okay. I think he went. But anyway, he, he went away and then then he was a little bit backward forward because there nobody of the engineers Malcolm had really found a position at that time. Uh, the team was a new structure and he got new people. He tried to hire people at that point because to move up to Kakamaus, uh, it was mm, not for everybody's favor because that's a little, quite a, a bit away from the rest of the motorsport world in the UK. But uh, yeah, Malcolm proves the point, you know, he could make it work. It's fascinating hearing more insight about the development of that car on the inside, the, the Escort WRC, because I, mean, I remember it being launched at the time as a kid and, and having since you know, read up about it, it. It's so fascinating to see how it was almost a halfway house between Group A and Proto WRC car. Um, and, and the fact that the FIA had to, sorry, Ford had to get special dispensation to be able to run it as a WRC car. Um, were you aware of any elements of, of Group A within the car when you were driving it or any sort of old school throwback elements? Yes, that you could feel and you could see. I mean, it was just a transfer uh, Group A uh, Escort Cosmos. Um, but I think the car had, from the concept side, it was always uh, one of the best because the engine was uh, not transverse. It was long, uh, long, uh, how you say it? Longitude. Long side building. And uh, the gearbox was in the center. So your, your center of gravity was pretty good. Uh, so as a Group A car was already good. Um, maybe a little bit short suspension travel, um, but, and then reliability, but uh, reliability was uh, coming from budget. If you don't have enough budget, you run your parts longer uh, and you're running into uh, durability problems. Wonderful. And of course, they stopped developing that car quite early in 1998 too, with the, the focus being planned for, for the year after that as well. So it, it maybe wasn't given the full, full whack it deserved either in the development stakes. Yeah, I think the, it is always the risk if you're starting developing an, an older car, um, and, and you know there will be even a facelift, you know, from a manufacturer, uh, then it's better you put your money already on a facelift car or on a totally new car, what the focus was end of the day. Um, and uh, yeah, they probably they didn't put so much money into the escort. It was just, you know, to get the team together, to train the team, to, to get a build up of the team and then coming out with a new car. 
Speaking of new cars, the uh, I mean, your, your spell with Skoda must be a career high point because, I mean, you, you were at Skoda with the Octavia for a long time and were involved in its initial development. Would you mind telling us about how that came came about? Because, I mean, these days it's easy to think about Skoda as a, you know, a regular championship winning outfit. But back then, despite from, you know, apart from a few you know, regional successes, it still wasn't exactly a, a, a company that most associated with WRC success. Well, with uh, Skoda, I got in contact uh, first time in, uh, you think, in uh, eight, 90, end of 98, beginning 99, mm-hmm. uh, because one of my former mechanic, uh, um, a guy from Czechoslovakia, he actually, he went back to Czechoslovakia and he was working uh, with Skoda when, when the border was still closed, you know, and uh, they had this uh, Felicia and, and the, uh, those cars. And uh, when he went back, um, the team manager, he told him that they would look to, to build a WC car, but nobody would believe, you know, they will build a WC car. So... Uh, um, end of the day, the team manager at the time, he um, got the board's agreement that they actually they will get a car built by ProDrive. So there was like a, how to say, there was like a junior engineering group at ProDrive. Uh, what uh, has been put on, on, on projects like that? you know, building a, a car because the, the engine came from Mantune, mm-hmm. for example, the first Skoda engine. Um, the, the, the suspension layout and the, the, the suspension geo- geography did uh, um, ProDrive. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they searched for a test driver to, uh, to actually to, to tell how the car was and how good the chances are that the car is doing well. And then this guy came up to me and he said, hey, look, there is a Skoda WC car. And I said, well, okay, what car is that about? And he said, it's an Octavia. And uh, I said, uh, we are looking for a test driver and, and we, we, we would like you, you know, um, to give us your, your report, uh, you know, on the car, how it is. How um, yeah, how good the chances are, you know, that that could be successful. So I went to the Czech uh, Republic and uh, there the former technical board director, um, he was in charge of motorsport program and he said, look, uh, a German guy coming from Volkswagen and he said, look, you you get there and you make your analysis and you let us know exactly what your feelings are and you know you have to come back to tell us honestly what you think about. And um, then we came to a t- proving ground. I think it was Gaiden or Myra or something in the UK. Uh, where M Sport uh, mm-hmm. Road Drive came with the car, and you know, uh, then we I got a test uh, to test the car, and you know, it was horrible. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it was uh, wow, guys, you know. <laughs> This is not not even you're you're never winning a, a rally with that car. It is just you know you will not compete against your Felicity. I don't know. It's uh, it was so far off with uh, when the car start to roll, the chassis roll. 
your bump steer was so big you did not even to turn in anymore because it was turning in you know uh, and the engine was banging and bouncing and you know uh, it was it was just like okay let's put together a car uh, and and let's see what it is and and that was a little bit like oh um, you know what to say now because if i go back and tell that uh, you know he would say probably okay let's get a car you know pay them and you know done mm -hmm. um so trying to find out you know what could be the good assets and the good asset again on the octavia was like i had on the audi 200 the car was very stable it was a long car you don't need like big wings because your aerodynamic was good because it was a long um and a couple of, of good things. And then I, I came back and I sit together with uh, the motorsport director and with the uh, technical board. And, and I, I told him, you know, that this uh, geometry is so much off because the bump steer is so big and the diving was so big and uh, all this, this, this things what I, I felt. And he said, but we could, we can adjust them. I said, yeah, you know, not everything, you know, you cannot adjust everything. If bump steer is there, you need to, to change the geometry and why did it not change? So, and then, you know, it got him on his technical knowledge and he said, we need to get this car work. It cannot be that they are putting a car up, you know, and it doesn't work. So, and then all of a sudden we got in a discussion on uh, developing this uh, Octavia. And then they, I think they already made their decision. They want to go for WC program. Um, but, the, you know, it was, it, it was, that was a real, real hard time. The first like two years, uh, that was a lot of convincing of not testing because you stood around because the car didn't work. It didn't start. It did not go. It did. Uh, and uh, um, in, in, in fairness, you know, to uh, let's say all the teams where I have been, I think the big, biggest development curve of a team, you know, raising up, it was Skoda because they didn't know how to handle a WC car, but they also, you know, from there they should know how it should handle because they had all the smaller cars, very successful, you know, stick has been one of their, their very, very good and, and, and uh, successful driver and Hawkland and those guys and, and uh, the Czech drivers as well. But, um, you know, they couldn't evaluate what the WC car needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anything what came out, you know, that was just good. And when it was just a tiny bit better, it was, oh, now big progress. Oh, no, guys. You know, I, and you pull them down from the tree every day. You know, it was like uh, at one point they get, mm, okay, you know, I'm not sure if that's the right driver. You know, he's never saying anything good about the car and us and this and this. But it needs development time, you know, and uh, I think it, it shows like the first rally we did uh, in uh, 99 uh, in, in Monte Carlo. Uh, we got from the casino square up to the casino. And that's it. And then retire, you know, with uh, having no clutch on the casino square. Uh, and, you know, the team, the, the guys worked their ass off. They, uh, I mean, the week before, they had no sleep. I think there was a 24-hour for seven days a week uh, just to get the car together. All parts are laid. Everything was laid. Everything was didn't fit, you know, uh, didn't work, couldn't match. Engine from the diner did not work, you know, and things like that. 
but it made them even stronger. Uh, you know, they because the, the the Czech guys they are technically they are very very good, very good, uh, and also they are very proud about you know what they are doing. So I think the project got them about their their proud side, and they want to make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other side, there was uh, a lack of uh, budget because uh, obviously uh, Skoda was not ready to put this budget in what ProDrive had, what Citroen had, what Mitsubishi had. And that, that made it difficult. But you see on the slogan, you know, what is still using is like simply clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they always think about, you know, we can make it better, but, you know, simple, easy. I don't want to say cheap, but, mm-hmm. you know, inexpensive, mm-hmm. make it better. Uh, and that is one of their strong side. But there are certainly there are things what you need to have in motorsport and you cannot go around, you cannot uh, avoid them and pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, and you see what they made out of the Fabia. Mm. You know, it's, uh, that is to their budget and they're doing a fantastic job on the, on the Fabia. The, I mean, the Octavia, it, it seemed to... I mean, obviously, it lived a long life as well in terms of development. It, it seemed to, would it be correct to say that the core materials in terms of its reliability and innate strength were there from the beginning? Because obviously, after two years, you got that fantastic podium on the safari, which, which must be a career highlight. And certainly as an Octavia WRC fan myself, it's, it's a, a big moment for me. You know, we, we're always aware of it sort of being quite a dependable car, certainly after maybe 99 was gone. <laughs> well, it, it, <laughs> you know, the first two years, yeah, there, there was not much, uh, not many situations where we had a good laugh about something, you know. <laughs> oh, not again. Oh, no, it broke again. No, it, it, uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, the decision was actually when Toyota actually sold their workshop in, in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And I, I got notices from that. And then I went to the technical board and said, look, uh, they, I knew they want to do like, uh, and they want to do good on, on rough rallies because uh, they want to prove that the Octavia or the Skoda brand is a very reliable car. And before that time, before Volkswagen came in, Skoda was like, hmm. Not a reliable car, uh, you know. Many people joke about it. Well, you see them parked on the highway, you know, because of breakdowns, and the the technical board and the whole board want to change that. So they said we need to go to the roughest environment and show, you know, that we are capable to build cars uh, who are strong enough, uh, who are uh, and having a good performance. So I I told him that uh, Toyota is selling their workshop and, you know, if they want to do something in Kenya, they need to have a test space. You need to have a workshop. Uh, So, yeah, they went there, they bought the workshop with all the equipment, with all the service trucks, uh, everything. And then we went to Kenya for testing. Uh, And that was the year where, you know, I I felt by end of the other year already that um, they are not changing uh, regularly uh, settings, uh, new material, you know, they, they got to a, a stable situation where they say, okay, now the car is like getting like bulletproofed and only tiny steps on development, you know, not failing again mm-hmm. will help us. 
and uh, already on the the testing in in end of uh, of 2000 uh, it showed that the car was really capable to go fast and then in monte carlo uh, i maybe you have seen that you know i miss only by a few seconds to francois the third place in monte carlo Mm-hmm. And this was for sure, that was my one of my favorite, favorite events I ever did, because it was flat out from the first meter to the last meter, flat out full speed everywhere. And the weather was that bad that nobody could make out uh, the perfection out of his car. With the tire choice together, you know, you need to, to run a compromise. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Octavia on compromise was for me the best car because it had no downside. It had also no upside because uh, on, on dry tarmac, of course, the focus was faster on full snow. Uh, yeah, you had other cars who have been faster, but you know, in average, the, the Octavia was the, for, to me the best car at that rally anyway. And we fight till uh, two stages to the end and, and we lost it by a few seconds because it was drying up. And uh, yeah, but it, it was, we know there is something, you could smell there is something coming up. And then we had also a test before uh, um, Christmas in Kenya uh, with the Octavia. And it was like, you know, we, we need to make the car bulletproof. And, and believe me, uh, I have been before in Kenya, um, but there we did not think about, you know, of getting the car uh, running to the service or back to the service or back to the workshop. It was just to see what is the edge, what the car can take, you know, how much abuse it can take. Mm-hmm. And, and physically, we, we built a tank. Uh, you know, what, what was out of... Uh, at that time, everybody started to make like lightweight bodies, you know, uh, making the cars more lighter. Uh, yeah, but uh, get away from this tank uh, in Kenya. Mm-hmm. But still, the roads did not change. The roads didn't improve. Uh, the environment was still as rough. And uh, we uh, did so much testing there. And uh, there's also a little side story because um, we had a lot of, let's say, used shocks, used rims, uh, A-arms, uh, subframes, uh, used stuff, used chassis. And uh, this four weeks testing what we had in Kenya, and the mechanics, they had like long nights because there was welding every night. There was welding everything because it broke, it cracked, you know, and it was going on for four weeks. But end of the four weeks, uh, we did like a high speed test. And I, I saw, you know, what I could do with the car and where I have to back off and where I could stay on. And I, I knew if we get new parts on the car, that is the chance to do well. And I went back and uh, the motorsport director at the time, he said, look, when I see the parts, how they are used in the, 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 the car and everything will go to the bin when we come back from Kenya. You know, the car is, is, is crap. You know, you can throw it away. I said, yes, you can. But, you know, you're bored. They want to have a podium finish. And he said, yeah, but, you know... Uh, he has already sorted out the used parts who are good enough to go to Kenya. And I said to myself, you know, no used parts in Kenya. <laughs> no used parts. You know, if you do that, uh, you can stay home. You can save all your budget. You can stay home. And uh, when I, I know that, I, uh, I asked for a meeting with the board myself uh, privately. And I told him, 
I, I told him honestly, I said, look, uh, I see assembly of used parts who should go to Kenya. I said, save your money and stay home. You know, it, there's no point to go. And, you know, we, we almost got in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, he says, you're, you're driving for us. And I tell you what, what you're driving and how you're driving. And, uh, and I had a list of parts, but I need new, new rims and new shocks and new A-arms, you know. And uh, it was not a new engine, uh, but, you know, the drivetrain, drive shafts, uh, prop shaft, new. And, uh, and end of the list, I had a list with me on the dinner. End of the list, there was a helicopter who could fly faster than 200 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and, you know, he looked at me and they said, and this you need as well. I said, yes, I need this. And they said, that's the end of our conversation. He said, Look, uh, I, I always, I always admire seeing you, the, what route you take to get to your target. And, and now end of discussion out of here. Uh, you know, and I was so frustrated because I thought, uh, the, the point with the helicopter was simple. They hire a helicopter that could fly only a, a hundred fifty kilometer an hour, but you know, out in the in the open uh, uh, savan, you did 230 kilometer. So you could see uh, disappearing your helicopter <laughs> behind you, <laughs> and you know there he will be not there for the next 15, 20 minutes because he can't keep up your speed. So. I ex I tried to explain, but he was so furious. He was, <laughs> and then uh, uh, yeah, we went to Kenya, and uh, he wrote me an email, and he said, uh, "You get to Kenya, and you have a look at your car, uh, and you get me the third, uh, you get me a podium finish." And I said, "Yeah, okay, good luck to you with all the used parts, you know, with getting a podium finish." I got to Kenya, and believe it or not, there has been all parts I ask, new, on the car and spare. And you know what? There was a fucking helicopter, you know, <laughs> faster than 200 kilometers an hour. <laughs> so I knew that's your chance, you know. You've got everything. The car is ready. The car is good. So we go for it. And then we went on the first stage. And I, I, my strategy was, you know, I need to force the other guys to go faster than what their car can do. So the strategy was the first stage was over 100 kilometers and we beat the shit out of the car. We went <laughs> as fast as we could, you know, and we did the fastest time by a couple of seconds to Tommy. And all of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, shit, you know, this, order, <laughs> this, this tank, you know, is going that fast. We need to go faster. So then everybody speed up. And there was so many retirements that year uh, and so many problems, technically issues. Um, that uh, we had also technical issues, but nothing big. Mm -hmm. And we just got the car on the podium. Uh, and that, that was Kenya 2001, you know, as simple as that. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sure the looks belie the amount of effort you put in, clearly. But, but I, think, I don't think any single rally car, certainly no modern rally car, has looked as tough as your Octavia from the 2001 Kenyan Safari. I mean, proper post-apocalyptic stuff, that rally car, with the ball bars and everything. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Mad Max rally car, if there ever was one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Really yeah. Is. Um, and from there, like, was there, you, you kept harking back, 
you said it was a lot of small developments through the life of the Skoda. Was there any big leaps that did change between like the Evo 2 and the Evo 3? Or was it just that chipping away at it all the time, getting where what you could out of it? Or was there something that started to, to make it really come good? No, it was all the little tiny bits what we uh, what we uh, progress and what we developed, and uh, it was nothing really big. Uh, the downside, I think, the only downside on the Octavia uh, was that they they have to use quite an old engine because it was out of the Volkswagen uh, family, mm-hmm. and there was a five valve engine. Mm. Yes, and the five valve engine uh, it's not good at all for like an early ignition. I mean, I, I don't know how, if you know technical uh, stuff, you know, when you, you get like a tumbling uh, rotation on your uh, mixture on oxygen and, and, mm-hmm. and gas mm-hmm. and uh, with a four valve engine, but a uh, five valve engine is like doing a squirrel mm-hmm. in, the, in the combustion. And when it gets up to your uh, um, spark plug and ignites, it comes very late. So you can only very late ignite. And so you have no early uh, ignition yeah. mm-hmm. where you lose power. And this was not to change. I mean, the, uh, at that time, uh, Audi was doing some development on the engine. Uh, everybody promised to make it better. Mm-hmm. But there was no way of making it much better. You know, they, mm-hmm. they developed a different turbo later on, but uh, it was this tiny bit. And then we have to search on other things. Uh, a bigger, let's say, uh, uh, a, a bigger step forward was when we changed from uh, from from Proflex uh, suspension to Riger, mm-hmm. because Riger at the time they have been on the Ford, and uh, yeah, they had they have been clearly you know more advanced shock absorber, mm-hmm. and uh, especially. Uh, on not fading, you know, you could uh, go in Greece or Cyprus like full speed, and it doesn't matter how long the stage was. The Riga was keeping it together. Uh, where uh, the other shocks, you know, they just start on, on fading away, and then you have to back off. And that was, let's say, that has been the yeah the bigger, mm-hmm. the bigger development, the big step forward. I suppose it's a very similar story to the other Volkswagen endeavor in WRC at the time in, in, in the Seat uh, Cordoba, because again, a car built with components from multiple places. I think the Cordoba was the shell and the chassis work was done by a French company. Yeah. So that Snowback. Snowback uh, or was it? Yeah. And they had a pr- uh, transmission also from ProDrive, I think, yeah. and, and an, en- and again, an older 16 valve engine. Uh, from the Volkswagen group and it's still funny looking back that Volkswagen gave the funds to two competing companies in the world championship at the same time and you'd wonder if they fully backed one or the other what could have come about it but they both had a similar story in, in a lot of ways I think uh, they actually uh, they live on their own budget uh, because I think there was nothing coming from Volkswagen but uh, that was always like a percentage on their, let's say, on their profit, what they could take for motorsport. And it was always based on percentage, uh, how much uh, percentage on car sales they had and uh, how much budget they could, could take. And I, I, that was the same for uh, uh, Seat, for, uh, for, for Audi as well, uh, uh, or Volkswagen Motorsport or, or, or Skoda. It's a, it's a group let's say a, a group decision 
So the smaller the company, the less budget you have. And uh, I think uh, Skoda did quite good in, in international sales. Uh, they have been a popular car where Seat was struggling for quite a while. Uh, I think now Seat also is, is coming up, you know, with, with newer models, they're getting more popular. End of the day, it's a, it's a Volkswagen Group car and they make uh, yeah, group decisions. Uh, who is going to get what and uh, who can get what engine in what car and uh, yeah, not to, to have, a, 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 let's say, too much uh, conflict with each other. Was it a difficult decision to leave Skoda uh, at the end of 2001 for Hyundai? It was. It was a very difficult situation uh, and decision because I, I, like we had all these, let's say, difficult times, you know, like really two and a half years. And it's a long time, I tell you. <clears throat> when you go testing and you go from one rally to the other one and, and you know you're running into a problem, you don't know when, but... Uh, you will. Uh, and, you know, having a team behind you and everybody's looking up to you. And this time, this time we make it. Yes, this time we make it again. You know, you have something and then you get it going uh, like we did with the Octavia, getting good results. And everybody was like hungry for uh, an update on the car, but we know it will not happen. And then uh, this Fabia came in uh, and everybody was, oh, wow, now we are getting a, a car similar to a Peugeot. Yeah, it is similar size. So um, now we can win rallies if we get this car, if we get. And uh, at that point, uh, also somebody in the management changed. And, uh, uh, you know, when I ask uh, if we are going to use the Fabia uh, and, and this guy in the management, he told me, he said, uh, you know, is that is that important to your decision? Uh, and I said, yes. And he said, but I thought you are a family member of Skoda. I said, yes, I'm a family member of Skoda, but I'm a sportsman and I want to win. You know, I still want to win. And then he said, you know, you have to make your decision. I don't tell you anything about the, our uh, model strategy. Yeah, and then uh, Hyundai had a, a big interest in the David Whitehead came along and, you know, he, he, he wanted me in his team and uh, he made me a, a, an offer and then uh, Skoda made me an offer and then uh, I went backward, forward, backward, forward, backward, forward. But with Skoda, it was, it was not about an offer, you know, what, what I get paid. It was just, I want to know, is it a new model or not? And uh, they, they just left me in the open, you know, it, yeah. it was... And then I found a little bit, not, not from the team, but, you know, from this management at the time, I found a, a little bit sad because I did, uh, you know, I did everything for the team. I, I, I got with the team where we have been. And then I thought I will have some kind of uh, reference, you know, that they give me a reference where we are. And they didn't. Uh, it was just, you know, I have to, you have to make your decision. We don't tell you what model it will be. And I knew if it will be another year, Octavia or two, you know, uh, there it will be stagnating and we cannot go any higher with that car. You need a new car. And uh, yeah, and then I left to Hyundai. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, just six months later, I think they announced that they will have a new rally car. And I say, shit, you know, that is. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's not fair. Uh, you know, they, they could have told me because they would know. They would say, look, the chances are 50-50 or 60-40 or, you know, that's your chance, but we are trying. No, not even we are trying. No, you have to make your decision. And uh, when I went to Hyundai, uh, of course, there was a big effort from Hyundai and the uh, team was doing good and uh, it looked all good because the accent has been really, really good. And uh, also in, in Monte Carlo, uh, the, the, the first stages has been really good from times. Uh, and then uh, Freddie did very well in Sweden, you know, even despite when he broke his ankle, you know, and uh, the car was good. Uh, and then we, we saw throughout the year that uh, the Koreans just turned a bit away from the accent. And uh, everybody thought in the team, well, we are getting probably a new car. And then got that silent, you know, no communication with Korea anymore. No, they didn't talk about the car. You couldn't reach anyone. And, uh, and then for, for the management, it got more and more difficult. And you know the story how it ends. You know, they, they just pulled the plug in the middle of the year and just uh, let everybody, everybody really, yeah, waiting for their money. Uh, and they just, uh, let's say, they let the car, the car and the team die. That, yeah. That's as simple as it is. I mean, it seemed incredibly acrimonious at the time from the outside looking in that halfway through 2003 explosion, as it were, that, that must have been a very odd situation to be within the team for, um, not knowing, you know, what, what was around the corner. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. But, but, you know, at that time, I, I, I had uh, three times in, uh, let's say, three times in my career, I, I actually fall um, not, a, not always by myself. Uh, I mean, there was decisions what I made. Um, when I went back to Toyota, they had this air restrictor. Okay, boom, the plug was out. Uh, I got back into a drive. I got to Ford. Uh, with Ford also, like half a season, uh, half season through, there was budget issues and, you know, uh, this and this and this. I was out. I came to Skoda and uh, to Hyundai uh, and Hyundai uh, like half years in, like, like after one, one and a half years. Yeah, they pulled the plug and I'm out. And I thought to myself, you know, mm, do I want to go for that again? Because I was also, it was late in my career. But I said to myself, I'm not going out of the WOC program, you know, in that way. And uh, yeah, and then I obviously... Uh, yeah, I got a chance to get back to Skoda to help them with the Fabia. But um, end of the day, uh, I think the Fabia, uh, it was a bit a budget thing. But also when you see the effort and the result, what Colin could pull up, you know, it was a way of getting refreshed. Yeah. Um, but also uh, seeing that Colin retired in, in Australia, probably having a chance to win with that car uh, because they couldn't get the transmission in. I think it, it, it show a little bit, you know, that uh, the category WC was just too high for budget or for team size and, you know, for preparation. And uh, yeah, and, and that was it, you know, that uh, for me, there was, there was nothing else to, to explain in that way. Um, but when they went to a, a smaller car, what was this S2000, 
right away they had the best car in the class. And I think uh, it, it shows to me, uh, you should not always aim for WC. If you could be the boss, you know, in WC too. Yeah. Um, I would prefer to be the boss somewhere instead, you know, being uh, third, fourth, fifth in the highest class. So with, with the, the WRC time coming to an end, what impressions did your time in WRC leave you with? What was, what was your highlights if you were to give just one or what the biggest impression that it left upon you as a driver? You know, I keep saying uh, I don't have a biggest impression. I have not the best rally, not the best stage, not the best team, not the best car. Uh, I have a huge, huge puzzle on my wall. And, and all the little tiny pieces, uh, pieces you know, uh, they are fitting a perfect picture. And this, this picture is the, my, my time in rallying, uh, when I have been in rallying uh, or in motorsport generally. Uh, and I had so many highlights that if I, I, I tell you one single rally, what was the best, you know, uh, everything else will be like nothing. Uh, and everything else was so good and so strong uh, that uh, the highlight is actually all, all this time what I could have in running uh, throughout all the years. I even going back to early, let's say mid 80s, when I start with this Fiat and going all the way and even having this, this time in the US with Baja off-road racing, what's, what really got my, my, my love. I mean, this, this is something so outstanding. Uh, and it goes back like old time rallying in the 70s and 80s because the environment there is still similar. Uh, and uh, all that together is, uh, yeah, what is my highlight? And the highlight is it was so long time that, uh, yeah, it was just fantastic to be part of it. You got to have fun. And, and it seems as well that you were very fortunate in, in the teams, like from talking to you, that you had those family like teams as well along the way to help that enjoyment. Uh, throughout your career? Yeah, I think I got the, the right time where, where people still had time to enjoy moments and uh, uh, having a, a big team party after every rally, uh, uh, getting an invitation. Anyone in the team got a dinner in the evening and then it ended up in a big party and the next day everybody drove home or fly home. Today, uh, I'm, I feel very sorry for the guys because before the last service comes, you know, everything is packed up. Half of the team is already on the way home or to the airport. Uh, the trucks are loaded. Uh, they are all waiting, only get the car from the podium, pull it down from the podium, back in the trailer bank, go back home. Uh, you know, social life um, and, and party and fun uh, has turned into a commercial, uh, let's say, atmosphere. And uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I would regret the time if, if, if I would do it today. Uh, and, you know, my son start rallying uh, and uh, I, he doesn't miss anything because he doesn't know anything else. But he's growing up in, in national championships and there is a little bit different. There is still time for party. Mm. Uh, but also there it's limited. Uh, and uh, seeing all these restrictions, what they have um, with, with, Recky, it's seeing uh, pace notes, uh, going on a video, uh, uh, pace note analyzing on, uh, on, on, on a computer and things like that. It all turns into 
less time on the surrounding, uh, more focusing and uh, to be successful. In the past, uh, I remember uh, we have been in New Zealand one year and uh, we, we practiced this moto stage, this famous moto, moto stage. Road. Yeah, and uh, you know, there was a big queue because there was, I think they, they actually, they got some cows down uh, uh, out of this valley and there have been like 50 cars in line. And Colin came uh, uh, and he said, hey, what's up here? And he said, well, uh, they are getting cows uh, out of the valley. We need to wait. He said, well, I know the stage from last year. You know, I, I, gonna, I go around. He went up you know, on the, on the asphalt. And I think he hasn't done the, the stage at all that year. And he beat everybody in the rally. He did the fastest time without practicing the stage. Uh, you know, it, it shows uh, how much commitment, how much knowledge you had, how much you, you could practice at speed. You had, you had a chance to decide yourself what you're going to do. Today, um, the decision of yourself, and I think is in, in normal life is the same. Your decision of what you want to do, you, 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 yeah, it's getting less and less and less in life. And especially in motorsport, everything has a rule and everything is down to the book. And that was also why I decided uh, not to go uh, and try to drive the car. Uh, I had uh, the luck and have been fortunate that I could experience the US with off-road racing. And guys, this is so relaxed. And you know, the rule book is, I think is two pages. I mean, okay, it's probably more, but you feel is like two pages. You know, there is a, 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 a technical and a, let's say a, a sporty rule and that's it. And there's so many open things what you decide uh, on what you're putting on your car. Uh, when you go like pre-running, they call it pre-run and not recce. Uh, you decide your speed. You decide what, what time a day you want to go. If it is midnight or four in the morning or at 10 o'clock when you are out of bed, it's up to you. And this up to you, it's missing to me in, in, in world rallying uh, because everything is, is clearly, clearly has a rule. And, uh, and then I find it really, really sad that it's in Formula One, it's the same. Uh, you know, you have some, somebody looking into it and say, uh, it's under investigation. Come on guys, you know, just let him race. And it's the same in rallying, you know, if, if somebody has just like Francois Delicour used to do, you know, getting his arm up here, uh, you see the rest here with no, it's not covered. Today you're out, you go home. Yeah, yeah that's it. And, and uh, you can go around and say, hey, look, uh, next time, you know, you go home. No, or you get a penalty or no, it's right away. It's big, fine. And it, it, it's so tight and, and I find it sad because uh, nobody really can develop uh, the spirit. And now you're living out of, of social media. Uh, the speed is incredible. This, I must say, the speed is really incredible. And the, the re reliability of what everybody's putting up in, in, in rallying today, it's, it's good. It's much better than it used to be. Uh, but um, all the surrounding it's uh, it's just killed by rules it's fascinating to hear you say that considering you know i, I remember when when you know when you were driving for skoda and and in the early 2000s all the talk being 
in the press of, of rallying becoming too professional and and too grown up back then and and it's incredible to think that they were correct it's just it was an extra 20 years or so before that really took hold yeah <laughs> you know Ed, i i still i'm a believer that um like it is in everything in the world if it goes to the top you know it can't grow anymore it's like in formula one you know what they want to achieve more you know they, they are actually they are linear now mm-hmm. and they came down for a while and then coming up and then linear again but it's not making the peak at one point you you need to turn things around again mm-hmm. say ah you know i want to hear this fantastic noise of seventeen thousand rpm of a v10 ferrari engine yeah, they, 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 we cannot talk, you know, while he's driving. But, you know, I want to hear that sound. And uh, I, I, I'm i at least in my age, I'm waiting, you know, for this turnaround. I don't know if it will ever come again when they're talking about this, all these electric things, you know, what they want to implement. But uh, to me, Formula One has been always like a team sport. As soon manufacturer come in, you know, there are so many interests on showing how clean their car is, uh, how advanced, you know, and environmentally friendly and da 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 da, da. Um, If it is a team sport uh, where uh, they buy engines, they build their own car and you go for a big show like Bernie Ecclestone used to do. Mm-hmm. He was the circus director, but, you know, he put up a show. Mm-hmm. Today is a marketing and and PR uh, show, uh, you know, and and this makes it very expensive, very exclusive, very rare that people can look behind the scene, uh, and you know, and then you have races like last year, you know, the last race uh, in deciding a world championship. This was very poor. <laughs> sorry, this is. I, I felt very sorry for both, you know, for the winner and the second, you know, um, because uh, that is politically, <laughs> it was shit, you know, sorry. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of that, I think, as well has to do with the length of the calendars now, about rallying and Formula One. There's probably just a little too much and they're still looking for more as well. It's just, it's all rush, it's, as you say, it's all pack up straight away. The social thing just disappears and it's just onto the next one straight away. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I, I, I thought, you know, for a while, uh, because I did uh, a few years commentating for uh, German RTL TV on the WZ. And um, I also have been on some of their, uh, let's say, meetings when they discuss the program and, you know, how to get viewers and things. And uh, there was one very interesting meeting. They had once an analyzing how much, uh, how much motorsport a family life can take. So they analyze like MotoGP, Formula One, uh, uh, rallying, uh, what else was there? Uh, I think there was Dakar, uh, you know, off-road. Um, all that, if you if you look how spread out is over the year, I think there is there has been, I think, not even 10 weekends where it was motorsport free. And then you have the winter season, they start with skiing and, and, and other winter sport activities. Um, and it's always weekends and prime time, get people in front of TV. Um, then uh, actually they came up with uh, uh, ideas on getting like concentrated weekends, um, almost like the X Games, that you have like Formula One rallying the same time, maybe MotoGP, 
MotoGP has a race between, let's say, 12 and 1 o'clock. Uh, at 1 o'clock, you know, there's one hour rallying because it's the last stage. It's shown like the, let's say, the, the, the final the stage. And then at 2 o'clock, uh, the, the Formula 1 starts like a highlight because still is a highlight worldwide, for sure. Uh, and you add all the different uh, events on one weekend. And then you have like one weekend free, motorsport free. You can go to cinema, you can go whatever you want to do. Um, but uh, since it's so co commercialized and, um, and the big, let's say, focus is football, because in football, it's every weekend. And even sometime, you know, playing during the week, uh, getting fewer, fewer, fewer sponsor money, sponsor money, sponsor money. Um, and if it is getting too much, uh, it's ruined the sport. That's, that's what I believe. Right. So, but I don't want to ruin the sport, you know, by any of our conversation. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because, you know, I'm, I'm still so fascinated about, you know, seeing cars on, on, on loose surface. Okay, tarmac, I, I think more or less everybody can understand. You go fast with a car when it's right set up. But uh, looking at gravel rallies or snow rallies or anything on a loose surface, I, I think it's so fascinating to see uh, what cars can do and what the, actually the teams, the drivers can do and, and how competitive and that you have rallies where they're ending up with like less than a second, you know, after like 350 kilometer forest roads. Uh, that shows the level of the sport. And I think it's, it's not disclosed enough but uh, I think we should also not disclose enough because then you, the unhidden things who are the interesting things, you can't look behind the scene and you know exactly why is that. Mm -hmm. You need a, a kind of fascination why it is. I think that uh, will create more interest on the sport than showing everything. In terms of your son Fabio's career, how much of a role have you played in the development of his career to date? You know, guiding him well you know he's a young boy he's, he's just turned 17 uh, so up to now of course I, I'm yeah I'm the, the leader of anything what we do because uh, he is he's still a kid you know it's uh, he is fascinated about uh, rallying he's fascinated about driving he wants to drive uh, you know he, he but he still does not have all, let's say, the focuses and he doesn't know everything what is needed around it because uh, yeah, I, I keep certain things away from him because uh, otherwise he is not a kid anymore. Then he is doing nothing else than running uh, or, uh, you know, preparing himself. And, and I just want to give him some free time as well. Mm -hmm. um, and okay, I think by end of the year, I think he will be on on the edge where he has to stand on his own, uh, and and I I will probably pull back a little bit, you know, just let him do his own experience, his own things, and if he's developing like he did uh, to here, you know, then I'm I'm quite confident he can do it himself. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that probably brings us to a, a close. You've given us uh, some great stories, Armin. Really, it's been. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for talking to us. I think uh, it's safe to say, I think, you know, we were both very excited about this one. And um, 
you know, Jamie could probably keep you for hours on an ST205 <laughs> um, because he, he does have one in the garage. So, um, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, know, with, so, with, with Superstrat that's on its way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why he was pushing so hard on the Superstrat uh, opinions. Um, but yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much for that. It's been, been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you for giving me the chance. Also, you know, getting me back, you know, in my memories is always nice uh, to talk about it and letting other people know. And uh, yeah, uh, stay on on rallying, you know, and, and support it. And uh, thanks that you're putting up such a program. Thanks very much. Um, thanks for that feedback. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Rally DNA. If you've been following along so far, thanks for sticking with us and for your continued support. If you're new to this podcast, welcome along and don't forget to check out our back catalogue, which is, I suppose at this stage, pretty limited, but hopefully we can add to that as we continue. Don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram, give us a rating on Spotify and stay tuned for new episodes very soon.